Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am your host, Kareen, joined as ever by the fantastical Kim. Hello. And the fatalist, Ari. Okay, well, that bodes well. It does. So, welcome to episode 26, or as I like to call it, pacifism gives you superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) Or as it is formerly known, errand of mercy. Which is our first appearance of Klingons! Yay! That look nothing well, like sort of Klingons! Yay! Sort, sort of Klingons, but yeah. Exciting. They have sashes like the Klingons we know later it's on. It's called a baldric. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the, uh, the baldric sash that is later reused by Warp, because I don't think we really see a lot of other Klingons wearing one. No, and it's only in early first season TNG that we see him wearing it, and then he gets the other one. The metal one. Yeah. yeah. So this one is actually burlap sacking painted gold. Wow. And the buckles that they're wearing, they're like fancy buckles, is just bubble wrap painted silver. Wow. Oh, I love that. I'm so impressed I really by hope, the resourcefulness here. I really hope there were, like, <laughs> rules on set about not pu- popping everybody's bu- buckles. That would be torturous. <laughs> Stand there all day like, I want to pop it. <laughs> I bet you do. I mean, it's hard enough keeping your hands away from your crotch area. But well, from judging from guys on public transit, that is so... <laughs> That is cruel. So, Kim, I want to go to you because I feel like you have Klingon feelings. I like Klingons. In general. That was <laughs> cold and lifeless. Um, I'm not sure how I felt about the Klingons in this. I mean, they were certainly there and they were certainly wearing extremely shiny pants, which delighted me to no end every time they were on screen. But this was not at all... This wasn't like the Romulans, where the Romulans show up in their first episode, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, those are the Romulans. I know these guys. As we know them and recognize them. This was just sort of like, they're called the Klingons, and they're warlike, and there was nothing, I didn't get the sense of culture, like, that we had from the Romulan episode. I think Kim and I agree, although I'm not sure about Kareem, that we don't get, we don't get the essentials of the Klingons until we get to... Uh, at least the uh, original series movies containing them. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I know the Klingons came from the original series, and I know they show up a few times, and I know they're maybe supposed to be communists at some point. No. No. Or fascists or something? are... I don't know. If I had to kind of pinpoint what culture they're riffing on here, Mm. um, they are broadly described in the script as, and apologies, oriental and hard-faced... Oh boy. Oh I, yeah. I feel like they might be like Imperial Japan, maybe? Like a culture based on honor, okay. a warlike culture based on ac- like acquisition of territory and militarism. Yeah. Except warlike in a wildly overblown way. 
Yeah, because I mean that's the that's the things they emphasized here was conquest of territory, um yes. the like the imperial this now belongs to us because we said so. Mm-hmm. Because we won and therefore it Well, belongs. it's not even that they won, it's they show up and what here's the new rules. Get or, in line. In the world of Itty Izzard, here is my flag. <laughs> Have you got a flag? <laughs> so um I th- think again what they were trying to draw him was Genghis Khan like yeah. that's that's what the makeup direction was is to make him look a little bit like Genghis Khan yeah and I can definitely with the the skinny mustache I don't even know what to call that there's no polite ways of describing no, this there's no. no PC ways unracist ways of describing what the makeup is and I think they address this in the next generation of why the Klingons look so wildly different. Actually, I believe it's Enterprise. No. no. Yes. Okay. No. So no. So there's an episode of Deep Space Nine, one yeah. of the best episodes of all time, that basically goes back in time to an original series era episode. Mm-hmm. And you get a look at, and Worf is there. And so he goes back in time. And so he is interacting. He's in the same environment with original series era Klingons. And everybody kind of like, those are Klingons and like staring at Worf's forehead going, what's going on? And Worf's response is just, we do not discuss it with outsiders. It's just like, that's it. Shuts yeah. down. It's kind of hilarious. You move on. I would have been really happy with that. Yeah. As they the had answer. just left it at that. And then you get to Enterprise where the first episode, I think the first scene of the first episode of Enterprise starts out with a Klingon like running through a cornfield and it's, and the Klingons we have come to recognize in, like, Next Generation in Deep Space Nine with the forehead ridges and everything, with no explanation as to why that is. So Enterprise attempts to explain away the ridgeless Klingons in original series era by saying that the Klingons attempted to, like, inject themselves with, like, genetically enhanced human augment DNA, and it resulted in, like, a like a, a genetic mutation through, like, several generations of losing forehead ridges. It's stupid. This is particularly weird in the case of this particular Klingon because he shows up later and he looks like the Klingons that we know and love. Yeah. Um, Kor or Kor, depending on how you pronounce it. Because I wasn't sure it was the same person, but I did look it up. <gasps> oh, is this the Kor? He's one of oh, Dax's bros that uh, yeah. come back to look up the new Dax, who is now Jadzia Dax in the DS9 episode. It says, so remember that time we swore a blood oath to uh, track down this murderer and eat his heart? Yeah, we found him. Oh, he would have been old as balls. He was old as DS9. balls. I've got a picture of him. He look, d- Old as balls is actually a really good way of describing Let's see those balls, Ari. <gasps> His head is almost perfectly can, spherical. Can you, you put that up? Make sure you put that picture up as a visual aid for this episode Old because balls. The, because this is a podcast and we just used yeah. pictures. I just assure you, his us. head does look like a testicle. Is, it, was it, yeah. is that the same actor? I don't. It could be. It could be. Uh, we'll look into that too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that is. So that's sort of like the history of the makeup in Klingon, like Klingon makeup in yeah. Star Trek. But like, yeah, like. The way they were portrayed was very sort of like, you're right, it's racist. Oh, okay. Feels racist. Short answer, yes, same actor in original series and DS9. Yay! Yeah. And at one point was portrayed by, I think in one of the movies, portrayed by James Doohan. Oh, I think that was the voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the voice. Yeah. So this is an odd episode because I felt like we already did it with the chessboard episode with the Romulan. But whereas with the Romulan culture, we got like, yeah. no problem understood. Yeah. yeah. 
is that these Klingons seemingly come out of nowhere spill. Yeah. And Oh yes, also so does the war. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. the episode starts 15 minutes and they get a telegram going, oh, you're at war. Oh. Okay. Good, good, good. Business as usual. So the story editor, Dorothy Fontana, posited that the Klingons became the regular adversaries of the series because they were inexpensive compared to the Romulans. Because there's not... No ears. Oh, no ears. Mm-hmm. Much less makeup. Yeah. And I get it. And I kind of like what this episode is doing is showing... The, that the Klingons are essentially the dark mirror verse of Starfleet. Appropriately enough. Hey. Yeah. Because, yeah, actually, that's a really good that I never really thought about before. Because, I, point. <laughs> I mean, compared to the Klingons that we later know, you can't really cast modern Klingons, the, the most commonly known Klingons, as a mirror of, of any kind of humans. But original series, original Klingons. Yeah are probably best compared to what, what is it, what were they, the, the Terran Empire in the original Mirrorverse episode of Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. they're very mm-hmm. much like the Klingons. I think yeah. they even use some of the same, same fabric samples. <laughs> <laughs> because essentially Starfleet goes out, knocks on the doors of other planets, and goes, hey, would you like to join our Federation? With the creepy, smiling, unblinking eyes. And the Klingons <laughs> just kind of show up and say, welcome to our empire. Like, they're both... Here yeah. the rules. They're both colonizing... Whereas the forces, yeah. Whereas the Federation toes in one, bit more benign than the Klingons. They also don't like. They don't make it a. uh, It's a question. It's not an. Yes, they're not being informed. It's not a statement. Yeah, (laughs) question, not a statement. Of is it Quark's very famous speech? The thing about the root beer. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's really interesting how at 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 no point, I mean. Throughout the history of the Federation, as we get it through through various franchises and, and movies, there is always this underrunning current that human beings and the Federation in general have become not like they, they, they're always like, well, we're not exactly imperialist, but we do a lot of the same things that imperialist cultures do. And yes. depending on which alien race you get, you get different answers to that question. But the, 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 the show, the universe, the writers are never like going, oh, no, that's absolutely not true. They're always going, well, it depends who you ask. It depends on the context. And I always think I like that because it's a, it's a strangely gray approach to the question for Star Trek, which is usually not very gray. And I think if you, again, put it in the context of what's happening historically is the yeah. America trying to import its Values. It's specific flavor of democracy to different countries and in, and force their ideals down their throat saying, you want this, you want this, it's really for the best. Which they're still trying to do today. <laughs> Which they are still doing to little or no success. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting when you watch this episode, especially when you had the final confrontation with Kirk and Kor. Kor. Kor's Kor. Light. With Kors Light and the Arganian, and he's he is saying, you guys are essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. You yeah. both are doing it just out of slightly different motivations. Yeah. But you are both trying to determine our society. That oh, statement yeah. adjusted for the fact that these are like millions of years more evolved, and from that perspective, everyone is a bug. Well, I don't, I don't think they're a bug. They're just saying, my God, back off. Yeah. We said we didn't want you. We said just go away. Everything you do is abhorrent. Well, they treat them very much like children. 
um, indiscriminately like children that, that, oh, well, you're, yes, I'm sure that you think your problems are very important, but they're really not. And in fact, they go on to say that, you know, one day you guys are going to be allies. To which, of course, Kirk and Kor both go, but of course that does turn out to be true much further down the line. Yes. Um, in a beautiful reversal of embracing thine enemy. Yeah, because 90s. Because 90s. <laughs> they do have much less enemies. Yeah. Next well, generation. there's a huge emphasis later on, especially as compared to 60s Trek, on maintaining a balance of power and uh, creating peaceful relations. Also, you know, talking explicitly about imperialism and what happens when you, you know, exert your power too much. We get a lot more talk about the Prime Directive when we hit TNG. <laughs> and also more subtle discussion about why we have the Prime Directive. And it's basically, oh, because we could fuck up these planets, but good. And that's only really sort of, at least to this point, has only sort of been vaguely referred to. We've only had the Prime Directive come up, what, twice? Yeah, but not in a very, like... And no one's really explained what it is or why. Also, should we not do this? Nah. <laughs> but, Captain, what about the Prime Directive? Nah. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so, Kareen, you said a few minutes ago you brought up a point about how both of these people were coming in and basically trying to tell the Organians how to live their lives. This brought me back to the point and what I was thinking about a couple of episodes ago when we had the chess piece, one stripe, like jumpsuit guys. <laughs> yes, and it was, the Suicide Squad? Yes, and it, we're essentially sort of retreading some of the same grounds in this episode, especially with Kirk basically showing up with these people going, your way seems stupid, we're going to change it, and I'm going to force you to change it, and that... He is, goes into the society and these people are like, no, we're fine. No violence. No, we don't want you to save us from the Klingons. And he's like, fuck you. I'm saving you from the Klingons. Again, Kim, what? as with no. previous episode, I'm going to strongly disagree yeah, because too. I don't think he's going in trying to disrupt their nonviolence, though he hates it and finds yeah. it anathema. Yeah. But he goes in because he doesn't think that they understand what it means. And to be fair, to be taken they do the not Klingons. do a very good job of explaining themselves. No, they or just even really try. We'll be fine. Um, Run along, little boy. <laughs> yes, but we'll I, think, I think why he continues to intervene is because he doesn't think that they fully understand what yeah. it means when the Klingons are going to take over their planet. And they show no actual understanding of what he is saying. He yeah. keeps saying words, and yeah. they keep going, ah. He's communicating himself very well, I think. It's like, yeah, they're going to come down here, they're going to take over, they're going to commit violence against you with, no matter what you do, and then they're going to kill a bunch of you because they just like killing which, you know, they do. And, and they did. They and, killed... Um, well, sort of. They quasi-killed a whole bunch of them. And the Organians just sit there going, no, it's fine. Why don't you come pick some wildflowers? It's like dealing with stoners. Exactly. <gasps> Are these hippies? No. No. No, um, no they're ancients. We had this talk on over. <laughs> did. No, I um, I I don't know. I just felt I kept comparing this in my head to two episodes ago, which I can't remember the title of at the moment. Um, in that, you know, these people are perfectly fine with the way their society is running, and Kirk's just like, I don't like your philosophy, so... That's not his argument at the beginning, though. He's not saying anything about their philosophy. He's saying the Klingons will totally destroy your entire way of life. There is a bit at the end where... Oh, God, I'm gonna find it. Um, 
That's what she's like. The leader says to Kirk, you're defending war? Like, you're defending going to war? Mm -hmm. And that is what I felt like a lot of this was Kirk was like, it doesn't matter what you want here. We're gonna, you're, there's good, like, they were just so, I don't know. I just, I'm having trouble articulating this because I just was really irritated at Kirk the entire time. But can you always irritate Yes, I know. Yeah. But I mean, I also felt that he didn't, like, because the writers didn't let him because that would have maybe cleared stuff up. Stop and ask, okay, why are you so calm about this? Why are you well, so fucked? No, but he doesn't. He doesn't. But he doesn't. If he does, he doesn't listen to them. They don't they even do, try to explain themselves. They don't explain themselves. They don't even make an attempt at explaining themselves. He's like, you don't understand. They're going to kill you all. And they're like, no, no, no. We'll be fine. And there's no attempt on their side to go, I see that you're very upset about this. Let us put your mind at ease. <laughs> For these dubs, we are shiny balls of light. Yeah. It, it, it's fine. It's cool. But they allow him to continue laboring under the misapprehension that they are what they appear to be, which they definitely are not. No, they're a bunch of lying, pacifist liars. Yeah. So the title of this episode comes from a Charles Dickens quote. It is an errand of mercy that begins, that brings me here. Let me try that again. Hmm. It is an errand of mercy that brings me here. Pray, let me discharge it. Mm-hmm. So we start on the bridge of the Enterprise. There's a lot of blue. Ju- what are the blue jumpsuit people? Are they the space janitors? Aren't blue jumpsuits, science and engine and medical. Oh, the coveralls. Yeah, they vary. Sometimes they're engineering. We've definitely seen them as, but sometimes they're other things. Uh, it was very strange. So apparently, again, they get a telegraph telegraph from Starfleet saying. A message. I, a space telegraph. The diplomacy has broken down and prepare for war and you're about to get attacked. Almost immediately, uh, they are attacked. Yeah. They have... They've been on their way to... Uh, they're sent to Organia? Organia. Ugh. Which is a strategically important planet that the Klingons will definitely take over as like a staging ground for attacking the Federation. Yes, it's the only Class M planet in the entire area, and it's yeah. inhabited by Didn't apparently they... primitive people. Didn't mm-hmm. they call it like a Class D minus? I think that was just their grade on the people. <laughs> I think it, it's like their level of development uh, because yes. they describe them as being peaceful but primitive. And I put primitive in uh, quotation marks. But that may have been my other problem with with this is that they approached what they assumed to be a primitive agrarian culture, and just like no, no. We know better. Hand pat. No, it was you need to get out of here and evacuate because you're about to be invaded. Yeah. As Although I do says, wonder, I would have liked three or four seconds of discussion about how does the Prime Directive apply? Because it definitely should have applied to this planet from what they knew when the Klingons are coming. Like, is there an exception? The Prime Directive is essentially just a bureaucratic hoop to jump through. At this point, yeah, yes. I thought about the Prime Directive, and then I stopped thinking about the Prime <laughs> Directive. As Kirk says, they're weak innocents on an invasion route. Yeah. So, again, if we're taking your Genghis Khan metaphor, Mm -hmm. if you were just in the way of it, you were destroyed anyways. And so they're they're trying to help these people. Um, But too bad! It's a Klingon warbird attack! Pew pew! Mm Mm-hmm. Um, again, we, we saw don't the... get to see the ship. No, I'm really upset. We didn't get no, to see the ship. No, because we saw again the digitally remastered version. Kim, what describe what you saw? Oh my god, it was blurry and fuzzy, <laughs> light strobing. It was really <laughs> difficult to watch. It felt fuzzy and super shaky, and it was pretty shaky. 
Yeah. Especially the Bridge of the Enterprise. There was oh, like some my really gosh. good shaky bridge work on Forever and Everyone. They were overlaying some kind of effect with with, with the shaking and everything because yeah. as soon as it stopped, the picture like crisped up yeah, immediately. Boy, 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 boy. Yeah, it was. Thing. I don't know. It was bizarre. And and Ari is right to say that there was some good bridge work because Aurora yeah. essentially just jumped on top of her console. Yep. Which I figured like butt dialing people is a problem. <laughs> Surely you lock down the console and but no, there's there's one, I guess, Ensign who's like bouncing from one side of the bridge to the other side of the bridge and back to the first side. Great acting. Yeah. Spock reports the casualties are light. <laughs> Whatever that means. Scrapes and bruises, I guess. And yes, they received a code one, Starfleet Command. We didn't want war, but we've got it. Yeah. But they still need to like warn the Organians, so Warp 7, apparently not a big deal anymore. No, no. Oh, I didn't even notice they yeah. were at Warp 7. The last time we used Warp 7, everyone looked at each other like the ship was going to explode instantly, but apparently it's fine now. Why have a Warp 7 if you're not going to use Warp 7? Yeah. So apparently there's a Klingon fleet on the move to the planet. Mm-hmm. Oh, question I thought of. Yeah, um, yeah. Was DeForest Kelly even in the opening credits? He is not in this episode at all. Yeah, I noticed, but he was not in the credits at all. Nope. No. I Weird. think this is one of two episodes that he doesn't show up for. And Scotty was not in this episode either. Nope. No. Weird for DeForest Kelly not to be there. Yeah. yeah. And again, Kim, to the things that you're speaking of, I feel like um, Bones is often the voice of that. Kind of being the humanitarian side to Kirk's militaristic side to Spock's logic side. Yes. The let's sit down and have a drink side. Yeah, so I feel like what works so well in original Trek is that that trifecta, that triangle right Tripod. there. <laughs> it's a very balanced shape. It is. And when you don't have McCoy, Spock is always going to back Kirk. Oh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much always. Um, but you need McCoy to stand up and stand up for the people. Yeah. And I, I, I agree that we didn't necessarily have this, but I did want to punch the Organians in the face. Oh, yeah. Basically from moment, moment one. Well, especially since the further into the episode we got, the more I was like, wait, I remember this. You did, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Are you telling me that from the second the first Organian, like, dude, like, the old dude closed his eyes and went, oh, there's people moving down. You didn't go, they have superpowers? Well, I mean, yes, because that's what made me remember that they had superpowers, but... I like I had no memory of this episode whatsoever, and I'm like, okay, there's clearly something going on. Kirk should investigate and be smarter about noticing that they've got some kind of power. I, just, I figured they had powers. I didn't know that they could They were glowy balls of ascended hot. light. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there's a difference between, mm, like, psychic powers and reality warping superpowers. Although it does seem like every other weekend they do run into a super being. Yeah. Fair point, Kim. Fair point. And so, apparently, the most expedient thing to do is to beam down your first officer and your captain. Because this is definitely too big an emergency to worry about the prime directive. Or Or who's going to be in charge. Well, no! Sulu's in charge! It's going to be fine! Not only is Sulu in charge, but Kirk actually takes him aside and he's like, look. He gives him the talk. <laughs> look, we're going down there. This is all going to be a shit show no matter what we do. But if the Klingons show up, I want you to get the fuck out of here. It's so beautiful. So, Sulu's like, yeah, we'll come and save you. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Save my baby. Yeah. <laughs> and the crew. I don't care about me. Save my baby. Take yeah. the jag and get out of town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is 
Very much like this. So they beam down to the planet, and there is a stock footage shot. Of the extremely familiar castle set? No. That, yes. But there's also a weird upshot of, I couldn't quite figure out the geography of this place, of Citadel La Ferrière in Haiti. Which is stock footage, because it is... In Haiti. Because yeah. it is in Haiti. Like yeah. the mysterious oh. castle on the hill. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the castle set that they it's use. It's so obviously constantly. not shot by any of the same equipment making this episode. It's so weird. I felt like it was also used in the Menagerie. I feel like Very it was. Possibly. In the lanes. I'm know. assuming they just, again, they had a castle set, and by God, they were going to get the most mm-hmm. use out of it. They used the Denton yeah. set again, too. Yes. So we're beamed down onto a very low rent rent fair mm-hmm. to people out of old timey England who appear totally unfazed. Yeah. Not bothered by like, anything. Huh. They appeared. Okay. Keep going, cow. Again, these are a bunch of stoners. Yeah. Welcome, strangers who materialized from thin air. Everything's fine. Yeah. Totally so normal. What I can only describe as sad old Jesus. Shows up in his sandals, Jesus gown. He was wearing purple and sandals. I he li- was wearing tights and sandals. Mm-hmm. I literally did not know the purple guy's name, so I just called him Leader the entire time. Fair enough. I Elborn. had to look it up. Does he have a name? Elborn. Yeah, Elborn. Old did they mention Jesus. it one, even like one? seven or eight times? Yeah, definitely didn't. I was. He introduces for himself it. the second that they meet him, and he said his name comes up at least five or six more times well, in the episode. He definitely guys. does not introduce himself. No, he I does. Was listening with my pen prime, you and not. I was like, "What the hell is your name?" I know I couldn't figure out his again, name. Right here, I wrote. I just called him Leader the whole time. Well, he is though, so him. that's reasonable. I guess. As far as they have leaders, because they're a hippie commune and yes. they don't believe in leadership. Because Kirk is like. You know, all procedure. He's like, we need to speak to someone in authority. It's very urgent. What's authority? No, he doesn't have have anyone in authority. He doesn't say what's authority. He says we don't have anyone in authority. But I'll give you the nearest equivalent. Which is me. And our council. So he takes them. He's so coy about it. Yeah, he is. They're very coy. And it's really irritating. Because they're smiling and droopy all the time. Anyways. So, yeah. It takes him to the council of the elders, which is a bunch of old guys, including sad old Jesus, old peanuts. Some other old white guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The table of old white guys. Yeah. And Kirk basically lays it out for them. He says... But, Sp- but you mm-hmm. forget that he- Spock doesn't go oh, with yes. him. He stays behind. Spock so goes to explore the village. Yeah. Yeah. To make studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Anyways, sure. Not important. He's a science officer. He went to science. Well, they're he immediately a, noticed something. They're on an something. errand of mercy, Kim. Well, Spock, I think, noticed that there was something hinky about these people quicker than Kirk did because Kirk is all business. Yeah, when this. they beamed down into this nobody and planet fine. and everyone was like, yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Gotta get busy with my goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Kirk lays it out for them. Um, Klingons are coming. They're definitely going to invade. There is no question about this. And he's right. That's exactly what does happen. Yeah. Um, they'll do this, 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 and this. Again, accurately predicting it because I assume this has happened on other planets. Yeah, he's not wrong. No, he's absolutely right. He's like, so that's going to happen. Or you can, like, go with us and we'll protect you. We'll give you all these advances. I wasn't really sure about the whole let us fast forward your culture a thousand years. That comes later. Yeah. Um, the the words that I liked here that Kirk used to describe the Klingons, he just straight up calls them a military dictatorship. Mm -hmm. Yes. They, they will make war on your way of life. And the council says, we are simple. We don't need your protection. They are simple. (laughs) We have nothing they want except for their planet. (laughs) Okay, but they'll enslave and kill you all, says Kirk. You have no defenses. We need 
no defenses. Again, we are having different conversations, says you're Kirk. Being unnecessarily coy. He's like, they're going to put you in slave labor camps. They're going to take hostage. You'd be better off on a penal planet. And because he said the word penal, I definitely made a note of it. Yeah. Of course you did. So that I could say it out loud. Nothing could be worse than a penal planet. Although, as we've seen, penal colonies not as bad as they could be. Um, The thing that I liked here that I was interested in here is that uh, Leader says, we are not in danger. You could be in danger, though. And he's very concerned the entire time, very concerned about Kurt being in danger and Mm -hmm. keeps telling him, you should go and save yourself. Like, I feel like he does understand that there might be some danger. because he says, you're in danger, you should go. And Kirk basically says, can you explain that? And they change the subject. So they are deliberately being evasive about the whole thing. Well, they say it's their way of life. And this he is says, the, this is their way of life. Your way of life, it will be lost. Which it will. He says, and I like Kirk says, you know, I'm a soldier, I'm not a diplomat. Which no is, kidding. Well, yeah, but kind of, kind of. He sad. actually does a lot better in this case than previous outings as a diplomat. Maybe they should have sent the diplomat instead of Kirk. That guy? No, not that guy. Not Fox or not whatever. His, not Deep Bags. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a terrible porno. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a two-door entrance. Spock spots in. He's like, they're not primitive. They're stagnant. There's been no progress here ever. It's been 10,000 years. They haven't made an advancement. They're an arrested culture. Yeah, it's okay. How how do you scan for that? I assume he was looking at like um, like archaeological traces. And Is there fossils. a tricorder setting for that? There must. How be. long has it been since your latest advance? There, there must be. If it took him like ten minutes to do the entire survey. Yeah. So Kirk starts into like the hard sell for the Federation. We can build schools, give you food, technicians. I wasn't American sure about this. Democracy. Bitch. Yeah, I was not. Yeah. Okay with this. Yes, end of disease and hardship. Does the Federation pitch? Which again sounds like a huge violation of the Prime Directive, but I don't know. And suddenly, Sulu is being attacked, so he skedaddles. Mm-hmm. And oh no, we're in the middle of an occupation. Yeah. Klingons beaming down everywhere. But this is where, like, the guy in the council just kind of closes his eyes and he's like, oh, oh. Klingons are beaming down now. And no, like, Kirk's not like, oh, hey, what's up with your telekinetic or your telepathic powers? How did you know they were coming at this exact second? Maybe he thought he had an earpiece. But they've got no technology. We've just said they have no but advances. It's just that all the evidence that Kurt actually has, it, it's like 90% saying these people are primitive. They don't understand what's happening. They're going to get slaughtered. And one little weird thing is not enough to provide all the evidence to the contrary that we have later on knowing the truth. No, it is funny that they send an army of eight guys to take down the entire citadel. Well, turns out to be more than enough. And then the uh, Orhinians trade their phasers for some colored velvet outfits Mm -hmm. that match the colors of their rank. Yep. Oh, I didn't even notice that. very thoughtful. I was too distracted by the tights that they were wearing. Uh, They're more like super tight leggings that I was not okay with. They were just tights. I was all right with them. I figured you would be. I honestly didn't notice them. I was too, like, impressed. Like, oh, yeah, Kirk's in gold because he's the commander. Kirk had a rope belt on. Yes. And they're like, okay, we have to hide and protect you. And they um, give them these incredibly detailed backstories. Imaginary (laughs) backstories. They were just lying around. Yep. They just had sitting around. Um, 
and they're like, uh, Kirk, you're this guy. What, what do they call him? Barona. Barona. Here's your new name. You're Barona now. My Barona. Uh, there's no way to hide that Spock's a Klingon. So he's um, a <laughs> traitor. Spock is a Vulcan. He is he's a, a traitor. traitor. Because there are Vulcan merchants. Yeah, that was a nice little tidbit. I actually quite liked that. Mm-hmm. It's like, Vulcan trader. And Kirk's like, they'll never buy that. And Spock's like, no, that's pretty common. He deals in Cubus and Trillium. Sure. Sure. Wait, Spock can lie. Of course Spock can lie. Aren't Vulcans not... No, Vulcans can lie. Vulcans choose not to lie most of the time. We had this conversation. This is also the, yeah, this is... I don't think we've actually had that conceit brought up yet. Yes, we have. have we? The, we've had a that whole... Vulcans th- don't there, lie? There was a whole thing about Vulcans never... I don't remember which episode it was in now, but there was a whole thing about Vulcans can't lie. Yes, they can. They choose not to. Well, of course to. they can. I, I, I'm totally blanking on remembering this. We definitely had a conversation about this. I don't remember where it was. But was it actually in an episode or something one of us brought No, up? it was in an episode. Oh, okay. Or in our lives... Yeah. It's hard to distinguish between them sometimes. Lives, Star Trek, Star Trek, lies. But he also repeats the backstory that the Organians created for him word verbatim. Verbatim. So, core? Core. Yeah. That's how it's said in this, although later it's core, I don't know. Good enough. Strolls in and says, welcome to my planet, bitches. I'm the military governor of Organia. And you're going to be taught how to behave. Mm Mm-hmm. No, at this point, it also turns into my weird Klingon Kirk fic. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So, <laughs> about Kirk takes seconds a look in. around of like, oh, look at all these leading citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Let's hit on the young, attractive one. Hey, where's your tongue? Kirk says, I've got a tongue. And Kur says, you'll be taught how to use it. <laughs> Ew. Oh, come on. You must have heard that one. No. Really? Yeah. yeah the yeah. entire time. You could cut that sexual tension with a butter knife. I have read this thing. Wait, it's thick. What's, like, a really thing that cuts thick things? Like, a bread knife? Like, the really good ceramic knives that we have here? Like, what's the one? The zinc ones? Yeah, the zinc ones. Mm, the ones that warm one? up with your body heat and then yeah. cuts right through. Yeah. You could cut through the <laughs> sexual tension with a zinc knife. Yeah, that's still a little muddle, but I'm going to let it go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, he basically looks around the room. He's like, okay, dismisses the council as sheep, says, oh, Spock, you're definitely a spy. And, ooh, you. It's a ram you. among the sheep. Yeah. Basically because Kirk actually is keeping a fantastic rein on his temper, especially for Kirk. No, he's not. No, he's not. Well, he's not. He, no, he's got a... He's, he's visibly upset. He and is. Barely Com- containing his compared, rage. Compared to the Organians, but he's actually staying remarkably calm for Kirk. I can see why chess is his game and not poker. Oh, yes. Because he's shooting zinc knives at that guy. Mm-hmm. So Kur, like, strolls around the room saying, do you welcome me? And then he goes over to Kirk and says, do you welcome me? You know what I think? This is the most Klingon thing we see these not Klingons do. Is this little scene the where they swagger? Yeah, the, where they, where they he walks around trying to trying to goad anyone into fighting into him. a dick swinging contest. Yeah, and then he goes up well, not to specifically Kirk. a dick swinging contest, but like fight. Show us you have some fight. Yes, because he does go up to Kirk. He's like, ooh, good honest hatred. Yeah, pleasure. Yeah. Again. Yeah. The core Kirk just writes itself. Uh huh. He calls KK. Yeah. And the Organians just kind of go, yippee! Yep, totally fine. Welcome to our planet. We'll do whatever you Huzzah! want. Huzzah! Death threats! They don't appear frightened. They don't appear angry. They're just accepting. 
Uh, yeah, I would be pretty pissed right now if I was Kirk also. Like, but you people why? are showing no no evidence that no you have emotion. any idea what's going on. Like, that you are not grasping the situation is what I would see if I was Kirk. I would like to see an emotion from them? Anything. But they just smile. And as Kor says, I do not trust men who smile too much. Which is fair, because they are not to be trusted. It's it so out. true. And so he needs a mouthpiece, so he obviously grabs Verona because he is into it. Uh-huh. And essentially lays down the new law. Yeah. Which is that our ruthless reputation is well-deserved. Mm-hmm. If a single Klingon is killed, we will kill a thousand Organians. And the Organians are say, Huzzah! Okay. <laughs> um, and he says he's going to, he's arrest, he arrests Spock, and he appoints Barona his liaison, uh, whether he wants to or not. Basically, he says, you will be my liaison or people will die. Um, so much for keeping out of sight. It's true. And he takes Spock to the examination room. So they have something called a mind ripper or mind a mind sifter. sifter. Yeah. That essentially, actually, that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Yeah. And he basically says if he's lying, he will die. If he's not lying. They went through a lot of setup. With this mind ripper for yeah. us to never see it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not saying, like, I, oh, well, no, I do want to see Kirk tortured <gasps> a little bit. But, wow. like, we went through a lot to have, to, like, a setup of this weapon and how vicious it is and how terrible and, and it's, it's going to just... turn you into a vegetable. They said vegetable, like, 40 times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to never see it vegetable. at all. That's true. It yeah. was a lot and of, like, like build like, up for no. Spock comes in from it and he's like, no, no, no worries. I got I'm it. good. Yeah. It's not that bad. It was like, it was, there was no, I don't know. I just didn't understand why, like, other than having a, a dangling threat, it was... Well, it's not a very... It, yeah, it, it's it a was, threat with no teeth, especially when it turns out that it doesn't really work on Vulcans. Which you would think that Klingons would, would know. Oh, yes, it would definitely work on Kirk. But they don't threaten Kirk at that point because, A, they don't know he's Kirk, and B... Kor is enjoying this way too much. In fact, he makes Kirk basically dance attendance on him until they're done examining Spock. And he's really, really enjoying it. Yeah. In a, in a creepy and, yeah. In a creepy... Have any of you guys seen uh, Lawrence of Arabia? No. Yes. Okay, so you know when Lawrence is captured and then there's that guy who's really into torturing him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is what this episode reminded me of strongly. I th- I thought the sexual tension was a little more pronounced in the Star Trek episode, but yeah, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. So apparently the Mind Ripper does nothing, and they decide to have a little sneak attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Is it? Mm-hmm. But I will absolutely allow. It. So there's a munitions dump. Oh, actually, sorry. I want to. I want to pause before we went because when he's got Kirk in his office the first time and he's talking about how it will turn you into a vegetable, um, he says that if you turn it all the way up, it leaves a person more vegetable than human. I decided this was a weird, like, universal translator glitch because why did he say human? They're not human. As far as he knows, they're organ- he's an Organian. They're humanoid. I think to a Klingon, every not 
other identifiable. They would have met all these other humanoid humans. races long before they met humans. Do they call them humans? He says every the word other, human. Almost every other than the Romulans, every other species we have met could basically be a human. They're very similar to humans, but he doesn't say humanoid. He says human. I, I that's either like a whoops, I forgot to change that word. Or it's a universal translator thing where Kirk just hears the word human. Mm. I think you're looking into a well which you think is very deep, but is actually just the cover of the well painted like an optical illusion of depth. Agreed. And they just screwed up and left the word human in there? No. No. Anyhow. So here begins my favorite part of the episode, <laughs> which is creeping. Yes. There is an A plus. Sneaking. Oh, God. And so... <laughs> they sit around going, basically, um, Kirk tries to start something because a Klingon, like, bumps into him in the market. <laughs> and Spock's, like, puts out one, like, forefinger in his thumb and holds Kirk back with no effort at all. It's like, no, don't do that. No, no, no. And then they have a talk where Kirk is like, we have to get the Organians to rise up. Eventually, they'll resent the occupation. And Spock's like, Sure. It is logical. Again, neither of them. It's, it's in not. the Hunger Games. Yeah. So, in the dark of the night, they decide to do some shenanigans <laughs> on a... <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, do some shenanigans on a munitions dump. And then they are what I can only describe as creeping down the stairs. At a certain point, there's a Klingon soldier who kind of rounds sure. the corner mm-hmm. and they both flatten themselves and I can actually see them <laughs> thinking in their heads, I am the stairs. I am the stairs. I was hearing the uh, Pink Panther theme throughout this bit. Fair enough. And so, but there's no point of them really hiding because as mm-hmm. soon as the guy walks two more steps, they leap yeah. dangerously off the stairs and clobber this guy. Yeah. So apparently in the munitions, there's a whole bunch of sonic grenades. In cardboard boxes. Painted in crates that are 100% cardboard boxes. Yeah. And not even like regular cardboard boxes, like just sheets of corrugated cardboard propped up in box formation and spray painted pastel colors. Boy. So they blow this up and it makes fireworks. Yeah. Boom. Stock fireworks. The council is not pleased with this because apparently this qualifies as violence. Against who? I mean, they hit the guard, I guess, but... He's not dead. Explosions are not necessarily violence. But it was an act of violence. It was an act of rebellion and an act act of aggression. aggression. Yeah, which this society has so far been 100% against. I know, I was just... I was bothered by the the use of that particular word. But anyway... Um, yeah, Kurt's like, but you could be fighting back. They're doing terrible things. Because presumably they are hurting the Organians right now. And we're not hearing about it necessarily. Because that's kind of what Klingons do in this instance. In this context. It's it's been a day. Like, it's been like six hours since the Klingons showed up. I don't think they're torturing untold billions yet. Well, not untold billions now. But it's like, this is a dangerous situation. They will eventually start killing you if they haven't already. And he's like, and the council's like, but you can't beat them. And Kirk says, no, but you could make this planet useless to them. I don't, okay, I hate to say this, but I think that this is a dumb plan and I don't know why he's bothering. It yes. is. It is dumb. It's like, what they, is this accomplishing? I, talk- I'm not, I'm not preaching like pacifism in this instance, but like, what is the point? Exactly. I also would like to point out again, when this was filmed. Hmm. And he says that you have to rise up 
This is about civil populations fighting back against military government. And I I don't know. There's a couple of, like, interesting threads going through here. Yeah. How do you fight against, essentially, a military government, a military dictatorship that's impinging on your freedoms and rights? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Kirk is saying, you have to rise up. And they're saying, no, you have to lie down. And Spock is saying, but the fleet's going to be here in, like, two days. We could just wait. Yeah, so So. Kirk is not thrilled because... They're so He's so weak. disappointed in Barona. He is. He's also Personally watching everything because oh, apparently yes. they have video cameras mm-hmm. and Kirk could not even conceive of the idea yeah. of yeah. them. Yeah, they installed surveillance real fast. <laughs> Which, good on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kirk essentially swaggers back into the console and says, You're all disgusting. Is there not anyone among you? There's no courage. Does courage mean so little to you? And then um, he's like, well, Barona, you've let me down. We're going to mind scan and then kill you. Um, because you're obviously at least uh, a rebel and possibly a spy. At which point the council drops Turns all them the in. balls. Yeah, all of them. If all it was holding floor. a handful of marbles, it gently placed them on the floor and then removed its hands and they all skittered away. Yeah. So this is Kirk. Captain James Kirk of the USS Enterprise. Well, they achieved their objective, which was to prevent violence. The council is no violence, no violence, and Kirk doesn't get tortured as a result of this action. I want to note, though, that they have no reason to believe that that is going to happen. There is absolutely no evidence that giving the Klingons the information will stop Kirk from being tortured or killed. They can see the future. Yeah, but why did they do anything? Yeah, that's an excellent question. But, like, Kirk doesn't know about the the future-seeing superpowers. And from what we're actually supposed to definitively know at this point... The council just gave up everything for no reason. And Kirk is understandably really pissed about this. Because the, the Klingon core is basically you like, have heard of him. Yes. <laughs> he is uh, totally famous. And Kor yeah. has a bit of a man crush. He does. He's like, I liked you before, but now I like you so much more. I hope to meet you in battle. I was so excited. Okay. But I want to go back to what the leader says here, and he's talking to both of them, and he says, for some reason, he feels he must destroy you as you feel you must destroy him. Yeah. And he's basically talking about the pointlessness of war. Yeah. And the pointlessness of violence, which is what this entire society has been preaching the entire time, is no violence. Not very articulately. No action, either. No, it's not just, that's the thing. It's like, it's not just no violence. It's like, fine. You're pacifists, fine. But they're pacifists. There's there's lines you won't cross. But there's a huge, yeah, there's a huge difference between pacifism and passivity. Yeah. Which is, they're the second one, not the, I mean, not just the first one. Like, you can resist peacefully. Gandhi has already lived and died in this universe. (laughs) Definitely a long time ago, probably still famous, I hope. Like, you can resist a violent occupation without committing violence yourself. And I think that is the thing that Kurt finds they're, they're, so offensive about resisting. all of this. Yeah, they're not even philosophically or ideologically resisting. They're just accepting whatever comes, even though that means that people will be hurt and killed. Which, again, isn't... And that's what he finds so yeah. offensive. That's also, the Klingons find that incredibly offensive, they too. They do. Because like, you're just sitting there letting this happen. It's like, you could be doing things that don't necessarily violate the principles you've actually stated. You're just sitting there. Yeah. And like, 
there's, yeah, like Spock says it at the beginning that they're in stasis, that they're stagnant. Mm. And I mean, it turns out that everything about their outside appearance is a lie, but it seems that it's a, an accurate projection of who they actually are. I don't know. I, I still have trouble with this because at this point, we're still looking at the choices that a society has made for itself which is to, we're just going to stay the way we are. We're going to do, like, they don't, if they wanted to progress, they could or whatever. But they've said our choice is to do nothing in this situation and our choice is to practice extreme nonviolence. And everybody is saying that's not good enough. I don't know. And it's, I think it's maybe because it's a, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking of it as a specific cultural level and not sort of more metaphorical wide level because I understand what you're saying Ari and I kind of do agree with that at that point but I don't know this entire the entire attitude that Kirk had towards these people just bothered me the whole time both Kirk and Kor and I think this harkens back to again I can't believe I'm referencing this (laughs) the tale of two Kirks (laughs) where if we think about good Kirk passive Kirk couldn't make a decision Kirk Mm -hmm. essentially sitting on his hands Kirk that's not a human being that's not a soul it's half of a soul in order to be full to be human to have a soul you have to have that ugly that evilness that anger in you as well and I think that what Star Trek tries to say is you can't have the good without the bad I have another uh view on this especially in um in light of the way that the Organians see the Klingons and the human and the Federation as being more or less indistinguishable, indistinguishable from their point of view, yeah, is that they're having very different conversations. Like they're having two sides of two completely different conversations. Kirk and the Organians. Kirk is saying that the Organians are saying, "Oh, but our principles um, forbid us to do this specific thing. Um, we don't want to violate our principles by by thinking or acting a different way." And Kirk's saying. But they're going to physically kill you. And the Organians don't even seem to be acknowledging that. Like, they're just completely cutting the whole real, physical, real-life consequences and pain and suffering and death out of the equation entirely. They're not even acknowledging it. Or at it's because they don't live in the physical world. Yeah. And I think that that's actually a really interesting... It, it In retrospect, they're not completely infallible because they're not really capable of understanding the... The, the 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 little petty the things they see as petty silly physical concerns. Well, if, if you don't know yeah. death, and yeah. if you don't know pain, it's like they don't really understand why Kirk and Kor are so like invested in like the defending ourselves, deciding our own destiny. Because all of the things that that affects have no interest or meaning for the Organians. Well, in many ways, they have nothing. They, again, again, I think they have literally up. no skin in the game. No, and they have nothing worth dying for or living for because they're you know they're nothing. They're 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 a soulless society. Yeah, it's true. Like so, like to a certain point, they have no idea what they're talking about because they can't die, they can't be hurt, and of course we don't know that. And Kirk is horrified that they're just sitting there, but the things that he thinks are the consequences don't apply to them. And I think you've got a point that there's a disconnect between the Organians and Kirk and Kor. Yes, I will and the give world. you that. There's a huge disconnect because they see it in the big picture, in the big picture, that they do. They hate violence. They don't see the point of it. And war is 
War is a waste. And they're not wrong. I no, they're not they're wrong. Not, they're not wrong. But, I but right think now. Because they're on such a big level and seeing yeah. such of the big picture that the everyday struggles of the little people when... Are completely lost. Because they, they feel things and they feel pain and they feel death and they, they have these gross yeah. human emotions that cause them that struggle. Yeah. That they can't understand that struggle. So yeah. they can't understand them. Yeah. But I, I think it's very, what they do is very, very, very interesting because mm-hmm. at the end, yeah, in, at the end, Kirk is defending their right to war. Yeah. After professing on the surface at the beginning of the episode that he does not want a war, but is not willing to give up, again, those gross human emotions of tit for tat. In and order. self-determination, which and is self-determination. very American. Yeah. Um, to, to wet and the Arvinians just don't understand why, why anyone would care about that enough to physically hurt each other. I understand. Makes sense to me. I mean, all the information that he actually has. If you're 10,000 years old. No, but I mean, from, from Kirk's point of view, I understand. It's like, yeah, some like pacifism is great, but I can also see, I can think of a number of reasons why I would be willing to die or kill for something. Again, when they're soulless, they don't yeah. care if 10,000 people live or die. No. Kirk the Organians? Yeah. I would say they definitely care if people live or die. They don't care if they, they live or die. They, they don't care if they live or die because they can't die. They do seem to care very much. They spent the entire episode telling Kirk, you have to go because you are in danger of being hurt. You are in danger of dying. But it's hard. I do think they actually really do care about violence and preservation of life. And I will argue that they do because the first thing they say to Kirk is, we're fine. You should go so that you don't get hurt. I don't, I think they are worried that he is hurt, but I don't think it. The, the concern is for him. It is that there is they hurt find it distasteful. Or war is distasteful, especially since later on they say that just being around like human. gross, sticky, humanoid, violent things is painful and distasteful for them. I don't think it's like altruistic concern. I think it's a dislike of disorder. They're like the auditors in Pratchett. Yeah, they don't like disorder. They don't like all of this gross, sticky, living things stuff. And they'd really just rather not be involved in that. Well, then why do they bother with the facade of this of this civilization? If That's they don't, a really if don't, don't like if they don't want to have anything to do with people and they don't want to interact with them, why the hell do they bother? I wondered that too. It's like, well, okay, later on, I, you know, I want to wait till we actually get to this because it makes me so angry. Because I don't know. I just I can't. I feel like they. I don't even know. I, and I'm like, I still not agreeing with Kirk here, even after all of your, and I don't necessarily disagree with anything you guys are saying, but I'm still, I think maybe because I feel like I'm looking at this from like a, a like Kirk and Core both coming in as imperialist civilizations trying to impose their will and their ide- ideals on a society that maybe doesn't have the same cultural values. And that's before we know that they're like, that that's not what they are at all. That that's not what they are. And that's where my problem comes from in... But, like, I, I, I won't agree that they don't care about violence or discord or the cost of life or anything like that I, at all. I, I don't think it's that they don't... They're bothered by it, but I don't think I would say that they care the same way that we would say we care about things. They shut, or individuals. Yeah. They shut down the entire fleet, like, two entire fleets and say, you are not going to fight each other right now. 
Yeah. We are preventing you from killing each other. Because we find killing distasteful, not the individual death. Not because we want to save lives. No. Or or even because this is wrong. They never even say anything moralistic. It's that they, they say distasteful. They say it bothers us. It's like when I compulsively rearrange the filing cabinet at work. It's not because I really care about it being more convenient for other people. It's because I philosophically, physically cannot stand the disorder of the drawers. But it's not like any altruistic, thoughtful, considerate human reason. It's just my... I think just the war is repugnant to them. Yeah. And to kind of back it up to the fact, like, no one has died on that planet for a thousand years. Yeah. Was it only a thousand? Yeah. Jesus. They, they just stopped death. Yeah. They really frustrate me. So, back to the council, and... Kur is disgusted at these people. Do you always betray your friends? And the Organians are like, eh, no biggie, it's gonna be fine. And Kirk says, essentially, boiling it down, I am okay with dying. Yeah. For this cause. Yeah. Um, again, it's hard to think of him, I mean, I know that Starfleet is a military organization, but he is a soldier. He is trained to be a soldier. A soldier. Yeah. To do very fast, like, I guess, human math. Yeah. But more importantly, Cora and Kirk get to go on their first <laughs> date together. I wrote this down as, so then Cora sexually harasses Kirk in his office. Yes. Yes. And... He says, before I kill you, let's have a drink. Yes. And I wrote, for the third time, I have definitely read this fit. <laughs> and Kirk says, what do you want from me? And Cora says... I admire you. He says, a great deal. <laughs> Just talk. You'll talk. I'll talk. <laughs> I have admiration for what you did last night. <laughs> we have some minor ideological differences, but I'm sure we could find a way. We're a similar species. We're two tigers on a planet of sheep. Killers. It makes us great. I want to note that she's playing up that tone, but only a little bit. Not by much. Not by much. Although I do have a note that it's like, imagine the scene with a, no offense, uh, TOS Klingons, with a real Klingon. It would have been so much cooler. Yeah, I don't, uh, this guy does a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just would have been so interesting because their, the portrayal of Klingons here is, it's sort of like a step off from the Klingons that we act like the Klingons that yes. we mostly know, but it would have been really interesting to see how this looked with the version that we... Yeah. With, yeah, and with a cultural understanding that we have the Klingons later. Mm-hmm. And someone says the line, I can't remember who, survival must be earned. No, it doesn't. No. Survival is a guarantee of life. You should just be allowed to survive and live. I'm pretty sure it was Kor. Because <laughs> this is when he's doing his little uh, curse, like, you conquer planets, you kill people, you, you take over. And Kor's like, well, yeah, we beat them, we won, we deserve those places. So tell me about Starfleet, Kirk. Go, go, cl- cl- go nope. climb a tree. The tree is my penis. Oh. <laughs> and Kor says, I have no desire to, desire to see you become a vegetable. And then I put he, he stops about three seconds short from offering to make Kirk his concubine. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yes, I have no desire to see you become a vegetable except your eggplant. Oh. I will give you uh, 12 hours to... 
figure yourself out. And if you don't give me the information I want, I will dissect your BFF. Uh, Do you know what doesn't work in war or romance? Ultimatums. (laughs) But Cora says, I respect you, but this is war. And this is a game that Klingons play (laughs) If you guys could see her eyebrows. (gasps) Play to win. And then he brings in a guard who's going to take Kirk away and says... Watching closely. I feel like when Ari is editing this episode, she should put in a nice porn soundtrack through the background <laughs> through this whole bit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Kareen. <laughs> You're the one who was singing. Anyways, so the prison bars are clearly propped up against the wall. Yes, in our old, familiar, <laughs> comfortable prison set that we've, we've known and loved in so many episodes. Yeah. So Kirk, uh, Kirk gets thrown into the cell. Spock's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I've already checked. There's no way out. Except for lifting up the bars, which are clearly, again, made out of cardboard and setting yeah. them aside. And Kirk and Spock have this conversation where they have not really clued into the omnipotent super being thing because they basically have this conversation where they're like, they just don't understand what's happening here or what's going to happen here. But clearly they do because old sad Jesus shows up. Opens the secret door. We're says, here to rescue you. Shall we go? Yeah. I cannot permit violence. Do not concern... He says, actually, please do not concern yourself about the guards disappearing. What? What? Yeah, he, he walks in and he's... This is the first time we see any of the Organians really show any emotion. And it's really just that he's offended by the whole situation. Yeah. Not by any one person's fate. But, like, Kirk's like, you, you turned us in. Now you're rescuing us. And he's like, your captors plan to do violence to you. Which we cannot permit. And Kirk's like, you know how you could have avoided that in the first place? It's true. So we go back to Kor's office, which I would like to bring a lot of attention to the torch on the wall that has open flame. He brought the torch with him. Definitely. Clearly burning the wall. Yeah. (laughs) I did not notice any of that. If I was Star Trek Health and Safety, I would be (laughs) all over that. It is going to light the wall on fire. There is a giant black scorch mark on the wall. Bad idea. Uh, and he's railing on yeah. the Organians because they're idiotic placidity and all they can do is smile. Um, and the Klingons are very confused as to how Kirk and Spock just disappeared from their cells. Yeah, but happens all the time. But in return, they kill 200 Organians. And in two hours, they're going to kill 200 more. Yeah. And so on and so forth. And Kirk looks at the Organians and go, this is what I was talking about. And Aylborn, unbelievably, says, no big deal. It's fine. Am I bothered? No, they are not. Yeah. So Kirk and Spock decide to gallantly sacrifice themselves, which yeah. I got a little bit choked about. Mm-hmm. It's up to you and me. Starfleet made an investment in our training, and now they will get a return. Yeah. Bowling. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely missing some pretty obvious narrative clues up to this point, but from what they apparently have managed to absorb, this is, you know... It was kind of a moment. Yeah. And so Kirk says, give us our phasers, and the Organians blink and say, oh, are you going to use them? (laughs) You mean like they just used on 200 of your people? Why... At some point, the Kirk and Spock just not say, fine, if you want to be invaded by the Klingons, be invaded by the Klingons. Because they find that morally repugnant. Yeah, to just let people die. Yeah. Like, again, we've seen that in Suicide Squad episode. Mm-hmm. It's like, we can't just let people, like, innocent 
defenseless people be mowed down by military dictatorship. Which, you know, on the face of it, from what they seem to have actually managed to absorb, that is a completely reasonable. And which point, he's like, oh, well, they're in the cabinet, and Kirk stops and says, I hate this shitty planet, I hate you, but we're going to show you that there are things worth dying for. You people are assholes, but we're still going to die for you. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah, I, it was very good. So yeah, they're going to storm the castle. Yeah. <laughs> and have fun while doing it. Yes. So the old peanut apparently can see the future. So he's like, oh, bad stuff's going to happen. So they go to storm the castle, at which point there is a dog barking. Dog barking. Space dog. Space dog. Yes. Space dog. Pico really no- missed that. Pico noticed the space dog. Oh. Yes. Did you notice the space dog, Pico? Finally, something for Pico in Star Trek. Yes. Yes. And sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, 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 sneaky. They are going to phaser the guards in the door, but they're, they're going to just stun them. They don't want to kill them. They did take time out mm-hmm. for some banter. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a continuation yes. of earlier banter because when they're walking through the square before they blow off the munitions dump, and Kirk's like, so we should try and like start an uprising. And Spock's like, the odds are not that great. And he gives him the, he gives him the, the math. Mm-hmm. And they have some some banter, and this is a continuation of those banter, and, and uh, Spock's like, our odds still suck. But the best part about this is that when they, uh, they stun these guys, they fall off the walkway clearly to their deaths. <laughs> so, kind of like roundabout way of killing them. Whoops. So the fleets are on the way. Well, I guess that depends whether early Klingons have like all the redundancies. Fair point. Because later Klingons could definitely survive that. Fair point. Um, so they crash into Kor's office, and Kor's light is like, why don't we just wait it out? The Starfleet is almost here. The Starfleet fleet? The Starfleet fleet fleet? Federation, Federation fleet. fleet. I see why they did that. And the Klingon <laughs> fleet are almost here. They're going to have a space battle. Pew pew! Why don't we just chill and see who wins? Hmm. And then loser... I can only think of dirty things to say after this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so surprised. Yes. But this is where the, the surveillance cameras come back in. Because yeah. it's like, oh, by the way, I'm watching everything. And like Klingon storm into the office. Yeah. Uh, they have a nice little chat, actually. Like the, the space... space, The destiny of the galaxy is, is happening right now in space above us. There's, there's two powers here that are carving up space why don't we have a drink yeah we could just like watch and see how it turns out yeah. mm-hmm. you really gonna kill me before the results are in which i think is fair and again works in my thick so <laughs> and curses i don't plan to kill you unless i have to <laughs> apparently hedging his bets yeah. So now we see the Organians' grand plan, which is to make everything feel hot yes. when people try to violate the guards at each other. Burst into the office, and all of a sudden, everyone's weapons are literally too hot to handle. Too hot. Hot, hot damn. damn. <laughs> um, they also have a, a mind battle. There was also yeah. like a random shot, like the first thing you see of the Enterprise in like forty-five minutes, and yeah. it's a brief cut to the bridge, and everyone just leaps out of their chairs. Yeah, it was like very unison, just like whoop. It was a, such a weird cut. It was, it was bizarre. Uh, apparently, they needed three seconds more on the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they can't fight each other because if they do, they can't touch each they other. Feel all, they feel all hot and bothered. Yeah. And the Organians come in and go, okay, guys, 
break it up. And <laughs> and then he sort of projects himself Everywhere? to both fleets, to Earth, and apparently to Kronos, which is the Klingon homeworld. Um, he's like, okay, this is how it's gonna work, children. I've had enough. Enough! This is boring me now. No more war. This war is over. All of your military forces have been immobilized. Kirk and Kor don't take this real well. No! Um, you have no right to dictate to us, says Kirk ironically. Well, he <laughs> says... Kirk who has been trying to dictate to this society all episodes. Well, no, he's been trying to convince them. But he did not have all the information. And Kirk's like, okay, but now you're telling us we have legitimate grievances. They murder a bunch of us, like, every day. Uh, and a bunch of other, like, civilians and helpless people who can't defend themselves. And you're telling us we can't, you know, fight back. Kurus' argument is a little less convincing. <laughs> but we like conquering things. <laughs> well, I'm going to take away your toy until you two can behave. Yeah, uh, this is also where Elborn's like, oh yeah, those 200 hostages, they're not dead, it's fine. And he kind of catches them because Kirk and Kors are like, no, you can't tell us what to do. I'm my own person. I'm my own civilization. And You, you have no right to dictate said, our affairs. Yeah, old said Jesus is like, I'm sorry, are you arguing for the right to make war? Although he does a really interesting sort of conversational sidestep here, which I wrote down because it was really noticeable to me. Because Kirk and Kor are having... Are, are, putting forward different arguments. I mean, to us, they're different arguments. The Klingons want to be able to conquer because they like conquering stuff. The Federation wants to be able to fight back because the Klingons started it, and that's just fair. Well, the Organians are going to finish it. And when the Organians... Because when Elborn sort of turns that back, he's like, he's addressing Kirk. He says, you will kill millions of innocent people, waste destruction on a planetary scale. Which makes me think that they really do not understand the difference. They don't understand... Well, they're not subtleties to us, but apparently to the Organians, the subtleties of aggressor and um, not aggressor, like the the person who was attacked, are not really things that matter to them. I... Okay, fine. But I think what they are saying is, find another way to solve yeah. your problems. Yeah. Because in the future... You are going to be friends, and you're going to yeah. work together, and you're going to feel really shitty if you kill a whole bunch of millions. Yeah. yeah. And right Kirk now. sort of brought up short and is like, well, I mean, no one likes war. In the background, Kor is like, I like war. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was a thing here where Kirk said to the leader, you have no right to tell us how to handle our interstellar relations. And then my immediate thought was just like, isn't this what you've been doing to the Organians? Is telling them how to handle their interstellar relationship with the Klingons? Well, they were strongly suggesting, but they weren't walking in and saying, you will do this. They were saying, you really should do this. Which I think is a pretty distinct difference between the two approaches. Mm-hmm. Well, three approaches, I guess. And I think if we're to take a clue from the title of the episode, that really this is a mercy mission to evacuate yeah. these people before they're subjugated. Or mass murdered. And old sad Jesus is like, get out. Your presence to us is painful. Mm-hmm. And then they, and he looks disgusted. They, they, they're like, oh yeah, BT dubs were glowing balls of light. Um, yeah. this, this is probably my favorite part here because all of a sudden, Kor and Kirk are ready to team up 
It's yeah. a trick. Yeah. It is We're, a trick. Our right to fight each other is being, like, like impinged or whatever. And that was fucking hilarious. It, was. it is, because they almost jumped. And it's like, yeah. wow, you guys are getting along already. Yeah. Because basically, you and I turned to each other and went, fucking ancients. Yeah. Which is something we did a lot on Stargate, guys. Watch Stargate, especially you get to Atlantis. You'll be pissed at the Ancients, too. That's that feeling right here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, these fucking ascended assholes who don't have any need for physical bodies or... But interfere whenever they feel like it. When it's convenient. But have rules when that they're prevent bored. them from saving people. Yes, and here is where I want to come back to um, the whole... Because Spock says, so turns out the whole village was just built to help this sort of insane shit show makes sense to all these pathetic little physical being visitors. Um, and Kim, you mentioned this earlier. Why? Why? Yeah. Why come into the world at all? Why have a village? Why not just stay on the fucking ascended plane and leave everyone the hell alone? If this was an empty planet, there would have been a very different conversation about ethics going on. Why do on. they even need a planet? Yeah, they Spock don't. says that they are what? Pure energy yeah. and thought. Yeah, they're the ancients. They've ascended to a higher plane of existence. There is absolutely no reason for them to be present in this world at all, let alone having conversations about whether different species and uh, planets and societies have the right to wage war for a variety of crazy reasons. Query. Yes. Does that mean their dogs also ascended? Yes. What about their goats? It could be a ruse goats. It could be a ruse goats. It could be a ruse dog. Every goat is a ruse. But basically, these ascended assholes just showed up so that they could create an ethical dilemma and confuse the issue. No, no, no. The writers wrote them as ascended yeah. assholes to create. That's that's the thing that it comes down to for me is this is bad writing. I don't know. I am perfectly prepared to go ancient ascended assholes because this is what ancients do. This is what ascended jerk faces do. This kind of worked for me for like the last five minutes when Kirk and Kur are united in their yeah. fury that you are not allowing us to fight it out. Yeah. And the Organian is like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yes. You want me to let you kill millions of each other over essentially a playground spat? Yes. Yes, we do, say Kirk and Kirk and Coor, we wanted to, like, just kill millions of people because our cause. And Organia is like, what cause is that? The same cause, they both say. Have you tried not war? <laughs> it, it's just, it's that reversal of thinking your way is the right way and your battle is the righteous battle, Yeah, I think is very interesting. If extremely clumsily introduced in the last, like, 30 seconds of the episode. Yeah, this yeah. this was my favorite part of the episode, was the turnabout on them. Yes. I thought it was very funny. It um, was. I always like yeah. when Kirk is made to see that he's in the wrong, so. Uh. <laughs> well, the thing is that at that moment in that particular argument, yes, because he's been argued into a corner because ancient descended assholes. Yeah. But he did not have all of the information. Well, at the end... No one did. At the end, when they're having their little, like... On the bridge. The, yeah. Yeah. Their little the quip off. off. The quip, the quip off. out. Yes. Quip out. 
The Kirk says, I'm embarrassed. I'm angry at them for stopping a war I didn't want. Yeah. They are much better than we are. Yeah. And, yeah, Kirk, I think it's Spock who says that we're basically amoeba to them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kirk mm-hmm. ends, ends this whole thing with, it's unsettling to learn that we're not the most powerful in the situation. That we're the most evolved. No offense, bro, but you no spent the last 24 episodes learning that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, lesson learned. Kim. Um, learn why a culture believes the things they do before you try and improve them. And I put that in quote marks. I'm just going to pretend she didn't say that because I have so many arguments. Um, hmm. No, you go next. I'm still thinking. I'm going to say if you ever suspect just <laughs> for a moment that you might be dealing with omnipotent beings, you should definitely shoot one of them. <laughs> like, surprise shoot with them. Just to make sure. Or if you do not have a phaser handy... Them with a stick. Yeah. I mean, this is okay. So, so I do know what I, I think now. Okay. Uh, it's a lesson that we also learned from uh, specifically Stargate Atlantis. Mm-hmm. If you want to ascend out of the physical plane Ugh. and fucking abandon everyone, stay the fuck out of things. That's true. If you're going to ascend, pick one plane and <laughs> stick with it. Oh, and also clean up all your goddamn experiments. That shit is dangerous. That's true. But, like, really, if you're going to exist on a plane of pure energy and thought, like, don't You don't get to, like, wander back to meddle in people's affairs just when you're bored. You do get to teach them very valuable lessons. Yeah, mm. yeah the whole, there are omnipotent beings who have ascended beyond this book. That bugged the shit out of me. It always bugs the like, shit out of me. I knew they were going to be advanced beings from the second the first guy but was like... Yes. But, like, that was irritating. And also, it was just hand-wavy writer shit. Like, let's wrap this up. Uh... They're balls of light. <laughs> well, that's basically, like, like what, 50% of the entire plot of the Stargate franchises? Which, for some reason, I buy more than I bought this. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's infuriating to me in exactly the same way. It's like, you fucking, you ascend, you assholes. You're you either ascended, ascended or not. Yeah. Pick one and stick with it, guys. That's true. Uh, performance of the episode, Kim? Uh, I'm going to give it to the guy who played Core, I guess. Just because, like, nobody was particularly stand out to me in this, and I always like to say, good job to the guest star. Okay. Ari, at performance of the episode? I think I'm going to give it to Shatner just because I was really- Yes! I was feeling his his frustration so keenly in this episode, even though I I remembered about ooh, five minutes in exactly what the fuck was going on. But that had no influence at all on my ability to be incredibly fucking pissed about the situation. I didn't remember this episode at all. No, I did not. I think not. I would have remembered those sandals in those stockings. I did not remember this at all. It either. took me a few minutes, but when they started being like, no, no, it's fine. And and like psychically intuiting that the Klingons were beaming down, I was like, wait a minute. Again, like just pause and say, I'm sorry, why? Yeah. Why is everything gonna be okay? Anyway, no, 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 um, I'll change a second. I'm giving performance of the episode to the actor who played Islesburn, so that's Elbow. John Abbott, John Abbott, old sad Jesus. Uh-huh. Oh, leader? Okay. Yeah, because I wanted to wring his neck oh, yeah. from moment one. Mm-hmm. I and even more frustrating, it would have had no influence at all on his ability to piss you off. If I'm gonna renounce my vow of nonviolence, it would have been on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my hands around his tiny, frail old man neck. 
which uh, isn't even a real neck. Because he's a cheater. If you threw a bucket of water... I'm a glowing ball of energy. I'm, the ancients always really piss me off. I mean, the arrogance and the the. Could you electrocute them? The condescension. I think they managed to trap one once. It's good. really it was complicated. It wasn't good, just good, regular. Good. But um, like it's just like basically they put themselves on that planet just to fuck with people. I'm yeah, just sorry. I'm still angry. I'm sorry. I, Carry on. <laughs> really. Anyways. Um, number of deaths. Zero deaths, because we have countered a civilization that is, uh, committed to preserving life. On the other hand, when there were people killed in the Klingon attack, the Klingon surprise attack at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and also on the, uh, the Enterprise, casualties were light. Casualties, not fatalities on the Enterprise. We don't know how that ended. I'm just going to assume there was no deaths because we didn't hear anybody died. And all those 200 people who were shot were not actually shot. They were pretend shot. Because they were pretend alive in the first place. Anyways, okay, moving forward. Ari, your count? Um, Let's see. Uh, Eight ladies. Four people. What? Eight ladies. Where? Including, like, the five in the background of the peasant village shot at the beginning. You know what? For this episode, I would honestly just knock out background because, like, there was no significant presence for ladies in Also, none of them were real. No. And, like... Uhura was real. Uhura was real. We got... No one taught... No lady taught. No. It also... No, Uhura does. She's got, like, one line at the beginning where she conveys the message from Starfleet that they're at war. This really bothered me. Like, the ladies thing was noticeable in this episode. Because normally you've got, like, a female guest star to give soft lighting to. But there's always, like, why couldn't they have had some ladies on the Council of Elders or... I don't, I don't know. It was just, it felt, it was really obvious that there were no female characters in this, this episode. Yeah. It's a very closed episode at that. I mean, you're essentially going from the, the bridge, exterior of the planet, from the bridge to the exterior of the planet to the Council of the Elders to Kura's office and kind of bouncing between those three things. Mm -hmm. And we also have no Lady Klingons. No. I mean, we don't have a lot of Lady Klingons later either, but there are some. Some really notable ones. And I think the Council of Elders is supposed to be old white dudes because it's based on old-timey England. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what they base their culture on. uh, Or at least their illusion of their culture. But it's been two episodes in a row with very few... Like, no female guest stars, is I think what we're saying. No significant lines. Even in, like... Speaking parts are... Yeah. Yeah, computers are fighting our battles for us. In Suicide Squad episode, there was, Mm -hmm. like, the female... She had there was Barbara Babcock, Babcock, and there was the human who sat on people. Uh, and yeah, she was quite, yeah. But I think sometimes when, when we want to, I want to say like the cheaper episodes when they're bigger set pieces. Yeah, there are much fewer actors, um, and I think usually what gets sacrificed first is this, the parts for women. Well, especially given that the network was always trying to keep as few ladies in the episode as possible. Ladies, you never know what they might get up to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you know what I want? I would like to meet someone who dislikes Kirk as much as I do. Does anybody like that exist? As I'm much as you do? I'm sure there are people. I think at some point we should reserve a special, like, debate the Kirk episode. Because <laughs> I feel like your interpretation of him is very negative and strongly negative. 
It is. And I don't, and the part of the reason, thing is, is I'm not entirely sure why. Like, I, I know I came into this rewatch with, like, very negative opinions. You about hate her, him. You but hate that's him. because I've watched the series twice before, and I came out of it hating Kirk. Like, hating him a lot. I think he's awful. And I'm, like, I don't know. I, this isn't, like, partially, like, I feel like backstory Kirk is really interesting, but current Kirk is doing nothing for me. It's just I'd just be interested to meet someone who dislikes him as much as I do. It's just that it, it, it always sounds very much like the mainstream interpretation of Kirk, which is factually incorrect in a number of different ways. I don't think you've actually watched the series and still hate Kirk, but it sounds the same a lot of the time. Well, no, I, I, I don't dislike Kirk because he's a womanizer, like, ladies' man. I dislike him because I don't like the way he treats. I feel like he's very, like, my way or the highway about a lot of stuff. And I feel he's, like, sometimes he can be very selfish and self-involved in forcing his opinions upon people who don't necessarily want them. You guys couldn't see the grimace Corrine just made, but, um... <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to record this for the rest of the episode, but I think that what has to be taken into account with Kirk is the context. Of, yeah. He is not just a human being. He represents the Federation and the goals of the Federation and the morals of the Federation when he beams down onto a planet. So, though it seems like he's, and you are often interpreting that he's trying to impose his will, especially in an episode like this. From the sensibilities of us now, as opposed yes. to... Or within if within the larger context of what being the captain is, is that sometimes, yeah, you do have to take a hard line in situations and railroad people into doing what your service demands of you. So in this in this situation, trying to convince people of doing something that they don't want to do, but for the greater good. Hmm. Context is really important when watching things that were made, well, any time in the past, really, but especially in this particular time period. It's kind of like reading Heinlein novels. Yeah, I don't know. This is going to be ongoing, but... Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Well, we'll see how I go with Kirk for going forward, I guess. You're still going to hate him. Oh, I'm still going to hate him. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's okay. We love him enough. For, for three people. I love him enough. Kree, okay. <laughs> Kree loves him enough for like 11 people. But yeah, it's fine. Uh, see you next week. Uh,